Hey, sickos. I'm LJ. And I'm Toe. And this is Say Psycho right now. today we're gonna have kind of a different case i mean these are all different but i I don't know a single thing about this case so lay it on me yeah so i just want to preface this with there are no winners at the end of this case you know what i mean like sometimes more often than not if somebody's a victim of the homicide and the end result is that somebody goes to jail for it for an appropriate sentencing, then there's at least some sense of justice there, you know? Right. This is not a case where at the end, I believe the majority of people will necessarily feel just like a complete sense of justice you know what i mean okay so just bear that in mind as we go into this you guys already know we've said it before i'll say it again the whole podcast is the trigger warning that's kind of our brand we're just gross but that said i do want to give specific acknowledgement to the fact that this episode will cover topics not in great detail but there will be mentions of sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse in particular, and just like the power dynamic between a step parent and an abused child. So Mm. if any of those things are, you know, personally sensitive to you, you're at a place in your healing journey for any reason where those topics might be especially disturbing to you and you just want to opt out, like totally understand, jump back on the next episode. But I do like to give those disclaimers when appropriate so that we can at least give fair heads up to folks about what exactly they're going to be getting into on a case. Absolutely. Yeah. So with all that said, we're just going to get right into it. This case so the the main person that we're going to be talking about today is Jade Sasha Jenks. 
She was born on October 10th in 1983, making her a Libra. As you guys know, I always like to do just like a little bit of background when I can on folks with what information I have available that led up to the circumstances that we're actually analyzing today. And, you know, we're, we're going to give our usual little kind of icebreaker aside, you know, with her being a Libra, Libras generally thrive on keeping things orderly and aesthetically pleasing. They crave balance and they can be equally as self-indulgent as they are generous. Hmm. So now getting into the actual background here, Jade was 11 years old when her mother, who is 36 at the time, married a gentleman by the name of Thomas Merriman, who was 39, and this was in the year 1995. Now, just a year prior, the year before Thomas married Jenks's mother, Thomas was accused of raping a woman named Jacqueline. Now, Thomas testified at his own trial, and the jury declared him not guilty of four felony rape charges, but he was found guilty of one lesser offense of battery. No. Thomas, yeah, no, it's like disgusting because you know. I just fucking hate the justice system. Now, I'm sure you're going to get into this, but did did the mom know about this? So it's unclear as to whether or not she knew it at the time when she married him. Okay. That, that wasn't really made clear, but we definitely get to a point where like, Everybody knows he's scummy. You know what I mean? Everybody knows, okay? So he was 38 at that time and went on to serve 90 days in local custody for that conviction. The woman who was battered by him, Jacqueline, she did win a $50,000 civil lawsuit against him for the same claim. So even though he wasn't necessarily given the full penalty that... We all, I think, can agree now in hindsight, having the information that we have, he wasn't punished to the criminal extent that I think most of us would want us to see him be prosecuted at. However, you know, she did at least see a bit of civil justice in that acknowledgement when she won the suit. So flashing forward a bit, we're in the year of 2002. And around this time, Jade would then have been 19. So this time was very difficult for Jade, as I'm sure you can imagine. Thomas and Jade's mom, Thomas was 46, Jade's mom was 43, and at this point they decided that they were going to go forward and get a divorce. It looks like Thomas was the one who actually filed for the divorce, and in the filing, which was on Christmas Day 2002, So just, like, slow clap. Way to be, like, as much of a jackass as possible. You know what I mean? I'm like, file for divorce. That's fine. But, like, really on Christmas Day? That's what we're going to do? You're already a big, fat fucking rapist, so. Yeah, like, maybe open up Prezi or something. Like, have a cup of cocoa. File for divorce tomorrow. Like, Yeah, I mean, like, he's already a big, fat fucking rapist, so it's not, like... We had low expectations. I'm just, like, rolling my eyes. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's valid. Like, whatever. Add, Probably, add. like, the least of his offenses, but still, like, I see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's valid. Just annoying. So, in his filing, he said that his wife threw, quote, all of my stepdaughter's belongings, clothes, toiletries, paintings, etc., 
off the second floor balcony into the parking lot. She's increasingly violent and verbally abusive. She has been ransacking the house and is delusional. End quote. Merriman accused his wife of abusing alcohol and possibly meth, saying she has been on she's been smashing things and slamming doors and throwing things and putting holes in the walls. She sleeps all day and stays up all night. Now, in his wife's response in her filed declaration, she stated, quote, I suffer from depression. However, I am under the care of a therapist and psychiatrist. I caught my husband using meth in the garage and in an awkward position with Jade, my daughter from a previous relationship. She had claimed that her daughter used heroin, and I told Jade that she could live at home if she remained sober. When I found drug paraphernalia in the home, I threw her items out. So that's that's her mom making that statement. Okay. Now, Thomas accused his wife of lunging at him with a stun gun and, quote, keeping a loaded shotgun in the house, unquote, according to statements that were found in court files. Their divorce was eventually made final, and his ex-wife was able to get a five-year restraining order against Thomas in 2017. So it's important to note here, at least just from what I'm picking up as a lay person just reading this, you know, her mom didn't say that, oh, I saw thomas assaulting jade in the garage that that's not what she said she minimizes this and said oh i saw thomas in an awkward position with jade and just as a mother if you were to find your daughter adult or not in a compromising position with their step parent Mm. from the age of 11 on yeah Alarm bells should be sounding to the heavens and back. This should be absolutely rounds for concern. Obvious indication that grooming behaviors have been taking place for quite some time. Your child, now an adult child, albeit, has been the victim of a predator. And we're going to say that she's just in an awkward position. The awkward position here is that she has one parent whose head is up their ass and another who's literally assaulting her. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like just, just my two cents that nobody asked for, except for the people who are tuning yeah. in. No, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's your job as a parent, like as a single parent dating. And obviously I'm not a parent, but you know, I am the child of a single parent. Sure. And so, oh, you know, but, as a single parent dating part of your job is to always you know protect your kids and even if you're even if you're with somebody for a long time and you wholly trust them you can never close your mind to the to the possibilities Absolutely. You just always have to remain vigilant. And I mean, guys, the thing is, too, we see this time and time again, and I'm not just talking about with sexual predators, but I mean, there are people who are serial killers who live a completely normal home life, and then they go out at night and they are the nastiest, most vile, most violent, deluded, sick individuals 
just a complete 180 from the role they play during the day. You know what I mean? And while nobody wants to believe that a loved one could be capable of harming their child in such a way, at the end of the day, it is your responsibility as a parent to never reach a point where you wouldn't believe them or remain vigilant or give them some benefit of the doubt in a situation, you know? Absolutely. So, and this is definitely one where it's like your brain should not immediately be saying like, oh, it's her fault. Like she was on drugs. I was trying to get her to get sober. Like maybe, just maybe at this point, we should be piecing together that if she's in fact on drugs, which we'll learn that she she was, I mean, there's... And you need to take action immediately. Get the fucking predator out of your house. Exactly. Even, even if it's on, you know, a temporary basis until, you know, you can prove otherwise, you know, don't just keep going about your everyday life as if nothing just happened. You need to... It needs to be dealt with. Absolutely. It's not... This isn't one of those things we just brush under the rug. And in Jade's situation... You know, if mom was right in the head, in my opinion, this would be a situation where you're saying, okay, like Jade is obviously having an addiction issue. And now on top of this addiction issue, I'm finding out about this sexual relationship with her stepfather. Like what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I mean? Mm. And in this case... I think that as a parent, you should probably start to be considering that, hey, I wonder if this drug addiction is potentially stemming from being groomed and assaulted by a parent figure. You know what I mean? Like that could absolutely be something that would drive someone to want to use illicit substances. Like absolutely. So it's, it's just really sad to hear a parent take that stance ever um when it comes to an assault but especially in a situation like this where mom is seeing it happening and is still siding with the abuser that's just something that's just awful and it's got to be so isolating for jade i'm sure it absolutely just how to be a shit fucking parent 101 honestly yeah so maybe just don't do what she did but side note you're gonna hear me call her she a lot literally could not find her name she is often referred to as jade's mom or as thomas's wife but in terms of like an actual interesting i wonder if there's a i mean obviously we i'm sure we don't know but like i curiosity is killing the cat here on what could possibly be the reason for that yeah no big agree because i just don't really know what was happening there but everything that i was finding was thomas's wife jade's mom i'm like i don't know if this is just like bad reporting or if it's not available but i mean from what i can see it's not available if you guys find it just know that I looked. Feel free to drop a comment and let us know. I mean, we're not intentionally leaving her nameless by any means. I've struggled to find like, that piece of information. Is she in the witness protection? Like, 
Right. And that that's a question. I, I surely don't know. They won't tell me that. I can tell you that much. Absolutely. We don't have that kind of power, you guys. Yeah, absolutely not. So, but just note that there's no, like, I'm not giving her any special protection personally. It's just the information's just not available from what I can find. Uh, so, anyway, let's see. So, we, we talked about divorce was finalized. That was in... 2017 and Thomas's wife got a five-year restraining order against him. So at this point, both Jade and Thomas have criminal records in San Diego County. Jade has been arrested multiple times for drug charges and possession of stolen goods. In 2007, she was charged with possessing stolen IDs of more than 10 different persons. Those taken I'm sorry, those were taken during multiple burglary instances and a loaded silver .25 caliber Derringer was also reportedly found in her possession. Now, Thomas's charges, we, we've kind of already discussed those, so back, I won't rehash it again, but those charges are the ones that we're referencing. They're, they both have issues with criminal history. Okay. So going into Thomas's background a bit here, Thomas Merriman was a co-founder of a company called Butterfly Farms in Encinitas. Butterfly Farms was a nonprofit organization focused on the conservation and study of native butterflies. I hate that. Something, I, something about like this sick predator being a butterfly guy just really bothers me. <laughs> Well, when you put it that way, yeah. I mean, for me, what it, what bothered me about it is like, what a front. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like, I, well, exactly. Because I feel like butterflies are just so like, I don't know. Everybody not, likes butterflies, except for everybody like everybody likes butterflies. They give you happy thoughts. They're they're pure. They're you know, kids love butterflies. They do, except for literally like my sister. My youngest sister, I'll leave her nameless because, like, she didn't ask to be included in this shit show. But she is, like, deathly afraid of butterflies, which is, like, so weird. But I remember, like, one time I was home with my kids, like, going to visit, you know, as one does. Just like, hey, what do you guys want to do this weekend? I was throwing out ideas. We're all throwing out ideas. And my mom was like oh, we could go to the butterfly conservation. And my youngest sister got legitimately mad. She was like, oh. You always do this. <laughs> She's like, you know how I feel about butterflies. She was like disgusted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? And it was quickly explained to me that she does not like butterflies or pizza. I was like, what? Are you good? No. Who hurt you? Respectfully and would love though. She's a really cool kid, but I just thought that was so funny. I'm like, everybody loves butterflies. Ex actually, except for my sister. She hates butterflies. She's terrified of them. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but I don't know. Out of like, a hundred kids in your family there had to be one butterfly hater so statistically statistically so, yeah but yeah i mean most kids do love butterflies they're just like such an innocent thing and yeah, yeah they're so beautiful and you just you know somebody who's like out there like gardening and planting flowers and catching butterflies they just seem like very gentle natured trustable that's kind of like the impression that i feel like I would expect to have from somebody yeah. with that career path. I'm, like, was it an intentional thing, maybe? Like, he was like, oh, 
like did the love for being a big fat rapist come before the love for butterflies and the butterfly thing was just a cover well i mean i think we can say that the love for being a big fat rapist came first because just based on the documents or the i'm sorry not the documents the history we were discussing before i mean we have that case back in 1994 with Jacqueline and you know he's already served some time for battery related to her case he's already been you know he's already lost the civil case and ordered to pay her you know restitution essentially so I mean at this point like yeah I mean he, he's already a disgusting little beast so I don't know that this was like an ex like a career path explicitly chosen to create a ruse of being you know more trustable more likable etc but whatever the case that certainly was the result whether it was by happenstance or by intent sure it's definitely something that kind of gave him that over jade like something that he had as a perpetrator that jade did not have as a victim from like a likability standpoint if that makes sense do you know okay. what i mean yeah because you have jade who's an addict and pat who you know runs a butterfly conservation nonprofit. you feel me yeah okay so merriman in two merriman is thomas i kind of will use those interchangeably just so we're clear but his full name is thomas merriman so i might switch it up here and there but merriman in 2011 he met a gentleman named pat flanagan now pat was leasing a nursery space in or at a property in Vista as well. Okay. And upon meeting, they just kind of took to each other, had similar interests, similar business mindedness. And they decided that they would combine businesses. They would, you know, form a joint situation and share knowledge and just kind of reap those benefits of running this show together. So at first they were selling palm trees then one day they found themselves buying a vivarium which is an enclosed area for raising animals or growing plants and again that was in encinitas so together that's when they opened butterfly farms which was in the spring of 2013 just two years after they met thomas had become known and loved in the community for his kindness and knowledge about butterflies which again just such a and you know i'm going to say it too it's a juxtaposition That's between fucking word again <laughs> my name's lj and i like big words my name's toe and i take a shot every time lj says juxtaposition <laughs> oh my god i don't even drink don't so tell the people don't, don't tell the people I don't drink. <laughs> they can't know. That's oh, not what I was. That's not where I was going with that. But she takes she takes a shot of cottage cheese every time. Stop. <laughs> I do Girl love loves her some cottage cheese. I do love cottage cheese. Not as much as I love planes. God. Let's be clear. But... However, if she could choose to eat cottage cheese on a plane. Whoo, buddy, get oh, out of the my... way. God, you know what? I wonder if I can take cottage cheese through TSA. Oh I think God. I'm gonna look that up because I think next time I go on a plane, I'm gonna have cottage cheese on the plane. Oh, yeah. 
throw up. God love you. So, Eat like, something. I know that you can take solid food through TSA, but I don't know if that counts as solid. Girl, that counts as chunky. She chunks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep going, please, for the love right. of God. <laughs> so, anyway, he'd been... Or sorry, he became known in the community for his kindness and knowledge about butterflies, which is kind of where we left off. Meanwhile, Jade went on to become an interior designer while residing in Solana Beach, California. Now, we're kind of segueing here into the actual case events. So at this point, we have Jade, who is, this is in early 2021. She's 37 years old at this point. And Thomas is 64. So in December of 2020, Jade was cleaning Thomas's home when she bumped into his computer. And Mm. this is where things go downhill very quickly. Jade at this point discovers sexual photos of herself in his possession, including one that he was using actively as a screensaver. Oh, God. Yeah. The photos in question were taken more than a decade ago. Mind you, she's 37, so she would have been 27 or younger at the time. And these photos were taken consensually, but not with Thomas. They were taken consensually by Jenks and her boyfriend at the time. And it's just unclear how they ended up coming into Merriman's possession. Like, we we don't get any clarification or closure on that. But I will let you know that they were there. We just don't know how. And they weren't taken together. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So, when Jade discovered these photos, as you can imagine, she was deeply troubled. I can only imagine, like, the trauma history of being groomed and being in this position where... You know, Thomas seemed to have had some health issues, so she was providing some caregiver-type roles as a family member, you know what I mean? It didn't really seem that he had anyone else. So she's in this awful position where she's acting more or less as a caregiver for, you know, somebody who has groomed her, assaulted her. And that's not to say that he was like not capable at all. You know what I mean? But Mm. we do have enough information to know that he was in and out of the hospital at least once within this next few weeks. And that she was the one who exclusively was helping him with day-to-day things that he might need, which would just be an awful position to be in. For somebody who has a trauma history, especially a sexual abuse trauma history related to this individual. But, like, you can't really break that sometimes because you're the family member. and Yeah, absolutely. There are so many concerns about, like, will I be believed or, you know, then you leave them hanging in a situation like this. And, you know, next thing you know, just the system is so messed up. Like, she's probably got it on her radar. Like, okay, well, if I don't help him, am I going to be charged with, like, elderly abuse or something? You know what I mean? Like, there are just so many things that could go wrong. So even in the situation with Jacqueline that we saw earlier, you know, he got 90 days, a slap on the wrist, and, you know, the, the civil penalty. But that's nothing in comparison to somebody who has the capacity to 
really hurt you, hurt you, hurt your reputation, hurt your relationships as a result of you coming forward about the abuse. It's a very difficult position to be in. Absolutely. Yeah. So she was helping him. And when she discovered those photos, I can only imagine what she must have been feeling in that moment. But in in that moment, she pretty much decided that she needed to kill him. She she just, this was the line. You know what I mean? This is the last straw. She was done. This time it had gone too far. And she was going to kill him. She was going to kill him even if she had to get assistance from other people. But she was going to kill him. She actually did ask the assistance of several other people. One of the people that she asked, she asked to strangle him. And she told another that she had actually strangled him herself. Of course, this is after he died that she had said that, but it's okay. worth noting that point being, she was openly asking people for assistance with this and was not necessarily shy with people that she trusted about being like, oh yeah, never mind. I like took care of it myself. Gotcha. You know? Okay, so that brings us to December 31st, 2020. Jade claimed as she drove Thomas from the hospital to his house that he was drinking and he had passed out in her SUV. She said that she let him sleep it off in the driveway and then found him dead the next day. But the deputy district attorney, Jorge Del Portillo, said that Jade drugged Merriman with sleeping in pain pills on the way home on New Year's Eve, then suffocated him by putting a plastic bag over his head and strangling him. They suggested that Jade planned to stage Merriman's death as an accidental overdose. Mm. Now, yeah, so Jade's defense argued that he overdosed on sleeping pills in her car and that Jade had hid the body under a pile of garbage next to his home because she just didn't want to be blamed for his death. That was their defense. Now, the defense attorney that we're going to be referencing right now is defense attorney Mark Carlos. He brought into evidence a bag of medication that Thomas was given leaving the hospital and said that he was left alone while Jade stopped at the store on their way home from the hospital, like left alone in the vehicle. While Jade just, like, popped into the store to complete some type of errand. Jade was the only person who cared for Thomas. And while the betrayal was hopeful, or, sorry, while the betrayal was hurtful, the betrayal being referenced, obviously, is the illicit photos that were found on his computer. Right. Uh, he said, you know, they were hurtful and obviously disturbing, but it didn't lead to her killing him. Like, hey, you know, he was on the wrong for having the photos. I didn't like it, but I didn't kill him. You know what I mean? That's kind of the stance that they're taking here. Okay. Now, that said, this defense starts to crumble a bit because the prosecution pulls out text messages sent from Jade's phone. It looks like she had texted another man about giving Thomas the pills, actually. Mm. I'm going to read some direct quotes from these exchanges here. She said, quote, I just dosed the hell out of him, stopping for whiskey, then at Dixieland to stall. LMK, like, let me know, end quote. So Del Portillo with the prosecution 
said that these texts were sent the same day that she picked Thomas up from the hospital. Now, mm. yeah, so that that's not looking good for Jade right now. Jade, at that point, at that point on the night of New Year's Eve, she had seemed to second guess her plan and another text message when she texted, quote, he's waking up. I really don't want to be the one to do this, end quote. And still another text read, quote, I'm about to club him on the head as he's waking up, end quote. So prosecutors state that Jade then contacted a friend of hers. So again, not really shy about reaching out, trying to get this done and dealt with. You know what I mean? Right. So after this friend arrived, Jade told him that she had killed Thomas and wanted help moving the body. Prosecutors say that he left, then called the police the next day. Now that said, I made a note here to myself because I did try to research this. If I were a listener, I would have this question because, you know, they say he left, then called the police the next day. Like, but did he move the body, then leave? Like, came over, helped move the body, and then leave? Or did he, like, yeah. come over, be like, I'm not doing that, and then call the police the next day? You know what I mean? I figure it's the latter, but it was not made explicitly clear, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you said he called the police the next day, though? Yeah, he got the police the next day, so I'm thinking, like, more likely than not, he probably didn't do it. Summer is finally here, but camping? It's canceled. If you enjoy true crime podcasts, check out Camping is Canceled wherever you stream your podcast. Jen and Kate host the show, and we love listening to their case coverages because listening to them is like sitting down by a campfire with your besties and sharing chilling stories, but without the potential hazards, collateral damage, or running with questionable characters. Their cases are also informative and maintain a great deal of respect for their victims that the cases cover. If you want to get your summer on, be sure to check out Camping is Cancelled. Shout out Jen and Kate! But that said, I mean, if, I don't know. And, but why this, the next day, though? Why the next day? Maybe conscience, you know what I mean? Or maybe, like, considering the ramifications of Yeah, I guess done. that's true. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying, like, I could see scenarios going both ways, which is yeah. why I tried to get clarification. But clarification wasn't readily available. Okay. If anybody, you know, is maybe local or a little closer to the case or maybe is caught a source that I missed in my research and has the answer to that question, feel free to drop it. We'll you know, do a little, like, quick follow-up note when we record, when we have your message or whatever, and just let the people know. But, yeah, if you, if you know, holler at us, but I couldn't find it. So, at this point, as a result of that phone call from the friend, sheriff's deputies were dispatched to the home to check on Thomas's welfare. It was said that due to the circumstances that sheriff's homicide investigators assumed responsibility of the investigation. And that statement was per Lieutenant Thomas Seaver. A search warrant was obtained and detectives found Thomas's body inside the residence, according to that same lieutenant. The San Diego County Sheriff's Office announced in a press release that deputies went to a home in the 100 block of Nardo Avenue in Solana Beach on January 1st, 2021 to conduct a welfare check. 
and that deputies found Thomas's body and arrested Jade, who also lived at the residence for murder. So that said, I feel like it's important important to note this because it was creating some confusion for me in my research. Mm -hmm. There are several sources that say that that's the way it happened. Okay. And there are several sources that state that the police discovered Thomas's body underneath a pile of boxes and trash in his driveway, which is to say that like a warrant wouldn't have been needed because, you know, you don't necessarily need a warrant to search like the end of somebody's driveway you know what i mean right right okay so that was just unclear it seemed like maybe there was some misreporting going on which can happen in cases like this so i would just keep that in mind that it was unclear as to which of those scenarios was correct but there there were statements made that would be compelling for either. So I'm just reporting both so that you guys can, you know, have the information and know that we weren't able to get clear clarification. But those are the two scenarios that were presented, essentially. Okay. Okay. So Jade was arrested soon after the discovery of Thomas's body, and she was held without bile prior to arraignment. Now, that was all between December 31st, 20th. She was held without bile? Bile? Did I say held without bile? (laughs) John always makes fun of me for like when my accent comes out and I'm like, I'm tired. So I'm starting to say weird shit like held without bile. (laughs) (laughs) Held without bile. Held without bile. So please note that she was in fact held without bail. (laughs) Send help. God. Now these events were from December 31st, 2020 to January 1st, 2021. So very short window there. It's like a 24-hour period. And now we're skipping forward just a bit to the arraignment, which was not all that long after, just 11 days later on January 12th of 2021. Um, Jade did appear via a remote court appearance to respond to the charge of one count of murder in San Diego's North County Superior Courthouse. The defense attorney was Rick Crawford, and the prosecutor was Teresa Pham. In discussing Bill, the prosecution said that she believed that Jade had the financial resources and close ties to South Africa through her family. Hmm. Yeah, and that she frequently travels abroad, so she would be a flight risk. Now, that said, I looked and could not get clarification as to what exactly her ties were in South Africa. But it had to be something substantial enough to be considered admissible. For sure. So, So, we just know that that was the case. Now, Teresa Pham said it is quite easy for her, if she was to make bail, to buy a plane ticket and just go wherever she wants to go to avoid a very serious charge that she has. So Mm. conversely, we have a statement that was made by defense attorney Rick Crawford, who said that his client is not a danger to the community or a flight risk. And in support of this, he submitted around 60 character reference letters to the court to kind of corroborate that. Now he went on to state that his client actually didn't represent any threat to the community and argued that she has no prior criminal history, which I found interesting because she does have a prior 
history, but I'm I'm thinking that maybe his argument was that her prior criminal history was nonviolent offenses. Yeah, now it checks out. Yeah, because they're usually, you know, that's something that weighs heavily. It's like, are there violent offenses on record? Hers were more like, you know, drug related. She had the IDs from breaking and entering, but we aren't talking rob or armed robberies. You know what I mean? Not okay. like don't do any of them. Like you know, just don't. Right. But in her case, it's like, well, you know, I mean, let's not say that she didn't have a criminal history, but I could understand if he was arguing, hey, you know, she has a non-violent criminal history. Now it looks like San Diego County Superior Court judge. David Barry said that he believed that Jade was entitled to some amount of bail or bile if you're from the South. Wow. It's <laughs> entitled to some amount of bail. And as a result of that, he did order that she surrendered her passport as like a, a little compromise, you know, and be subject to GPS monitoring should she be able to post the $1 million bail. Then we reached the trial, which was a fair amount of time later because remember we're talking January 12th is the arraignment and that's in 2021. So we're actually jumping to December of 2022 for the trial. And that trial stretched over a course of 10 days in which they brought to light that the official cause of death for Thomas Merriman was death or I'm sorry, was acute intoxication by the sedative Zolpidem. Now, Del Portillo with the prosecution stated their case arguing the following. He said that Jade had motive, means, opportunity, and even a confession. He identified the motive as being the photographs that Jade found, the means as being all the items found inside of Jade's car, the opportunity is being that she was the one who picked him up from the hospital and therefore the only one who really had access to both him and the medication, if that makes sense. And then finally, the confession, which they indicated as being the text message, quote, I just dosed the hell out of him, end quote. At trial, Jade offered a statement which read, quote, Tom came into my life when I was just a little girl and exerted influence during that early stage of development when I was still figuring things out. Unfortunately, that influence manifested itself into inappropriate touch, coercion, reckless behavior, and complete violation of what I now realize was years of psychological manipulation. All of this came crashing down on me when I found hundreds of naked photos of myself on his computer. Hmm. I felt shattered. I'm sorry I didn't act the way I was supposed to that day. I think about it every day since. And to Tom's family, I understand you hate me for what you believe I did to Tom. However, there's a lot more than you'll ever understand. End quote. Now, I want to go into the victim impact statements okay. here and kind of highlight that aspect of things. Although I think in a situation like this, we can argue that there are certainly victims on both sides of the case, you know? Uh, I mean, I have my thoughts, but I'll, I'll hold that till the end. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can get into that here in a bit. Cause I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Mm. So when it comes to the victim impact statements, 
three of Miriam's brothers and three friends, including the Butterfly Farms co-founder, who we talked about earlier, Pat Flanagan, if you recall, they gave victim impact statements to the judge and asked him to please, you know, hand down the maximum sentence of 25 years to life. And I'm going to read a direct quote, actually, from one of those. So here we go with that. Quote, we respectfully ask you to help us deliver justice and do good and right for Tom. There should be no leniency for the convicted selfish, planned, and brutal act. We ask for the maximum sentence that the law provides. And I hesitated there. I just need you guys to know that I hesitated because it said that Tom's brother's name is Tim. And I was like, what? That can't be right. It's right. Tom and Tim. So I was like, wow, creative. <laughs> but the fact that they even have, oh no. Okay. You know what? I'm not going to hold my fucking thoughts because you know what? Okay. The thought that they even have the fucking audacity to sit there and say, oh, do what's good. Like he's a predator. Do you Thank not, you. That, do you not fucking how, care? That's how I see it. I'm he's like, a big fat fucking rapist. Yeah. Like, why are we sitting there and ask, like, advocating for somebody who was predatory and routinely preyed on a young girl to the point where she eventually snapped? Now, that said, do I necessarily, like, defend her actions? Yes, but no. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I mean, think, yeah, of course she, you, you know, know, could have taken different action. Absolutely. Absolutely. But also I can empathize with her probably feeling trapped, worrying that she won't be believed, feeling stuck in this victim cycle. Yeah. But I'm not saying that that makes it right, but I am saying just personally, like, fuck you to the people who know full and well that this happened and they're not denying that this happened either, but they're still sitting here like trying to advocate for him. Like maybe just don't maybe just, maybe just yeah. Like maybe just accept the fact that your relative was a piece of shit and got killed because he was a piece of shit. And you know, again, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind and I get that. But like, it's just hard when it comes to people who have been, like, victims How fucking of, dare you talk about what is right and just? Yeah. Especially when we're, we're talking here about a woman now, but really what we're talking about is a child. A child was routinely, like, groomed, sexually preyed upon, who knows what else. Yeah. As if that's not enough. You know what I mean? But, like, we know that this happened. He has a documented sexual abuse history he has been caught quote unquote in awkward positions with jay you know what i mean like this is not like oh like i'm crying wolf like situation like there's pretty sound documentation where this girl's claims are now substantiated but to the same token would people have cared enough to look at it if she hadn't have killed him exactly you know i don't know i don't know it's just an awful situation and i hate like like you said, for them just to be advocating for him, it just like it's sickening. I do have to go on about it for a bit, but I'm gonna read the rest of this victim impact statement crap, and okay. we'll we'll get into it here in a minute. 
So where we left off, if you don't, like if you just need a refresher, because I know my noodle works that way, they were asking for the maximum sentence that the law provides, almost like what Tom should have had for being a predator, you know? Um, So Flanagan said that losing his business partner and friend of over a decade was, quote, devastating, end quote. And he did say that it profoundly impacted the butterfly farm's operation. Apparently, oh, no, not the butterfly farm. Literally, like, I can't roll my eyes hard enough. Apparently, and, like, I just need to shout out, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but Leichtag Commons was the party that managed their rent, I guess, or, like, their leaser. Okay. And I guess when Thomas's wrongdoings came to light, they were like, um, yeah, so we're tripling your rent and non-renewing the lease. Yes. <laughs> Technically, it's like they, quote unquote, didn't have an exact reason for this decision. Like one wasn't given, but like it was though. You know what I mean? Like, so. Absolutely. Um, and we love them. We'd love to see it. We do. It's called justice. So Flanagan says, the business at this point is closed. I've laid everyone off. Everything is in storage. I'll have to look seriously at whether I can do the business without Tom. This has been devastating, not just to me, but to all the people who look to Tom for answers in the work we are doing. He says that he's hoping to move the farm's operations to Poe. And he says, I've worked vigorously behind the scenes to try to get a lease extension. We have a, a place to move. It's just not ready yet. So we were really hoping to get yet another or to get another year in Encinitas. And I'm just like, okay, we're going to talk about how much your business has been impacted. Can we talk about how much the life of a child who was groomed and sexually I mean, honestly, it's not even appropriate to bring up. There's, it's, it's not. No, I'm like, nobody gives a shit about your butterflies. We're talking about somebody who is routinely raped by their stepfather. And you're going to say, oh, but the people don't have anyone to ask about the butterflies. There are other people. I, I can find you one right now on the internet. I bet. Absolutely. Bet. Let's have, like, you know, matter of fact, let's see how many butterfly experts that we can find. Everybody, what everybody in the do, comments, leave a butterfly expert. Fact. Like, not only leave a butterfly expert, drop a butterfly fact. I don't even care what it is. Tell me about a caterpillar. Tell me about a butterfly. I want to know about... Oh my god, I want to say cornucopia. Is that right? Or is that what you put fruit in at Thanksgiving? Help. Cocoon. Oh no, that's what you put <laughs> fruit in at Thanksgiving for sure. Hashtag not a butterfly expert. <laughs> oh my god. So, not it. However, drop your butterfly facts because I'm just trying to prove a petty point. <laughs> so now I am going to take you guys to the sentencing at this point. And we are in the final stretch for those of you who maybe just need assurance that we're getting somewhere here. We are in the final stretch. So with regards to the sentencing, we're dealing with Judge Robert J. Carney. He sentenced Jade to 25 years to life in prison on Monday, March 6, 2023. As of the time that we're recording this, just for a point of reference here, this is a very like new sentencing this is march 19th 
2023. So this is just 13 days ago. It hasn't even been two weeks. Jade's defense attorney has already come out with a response. And oh, I just want to back up a bit as well, just really quick. And with regards to her sentencing, she is eligible for parole after 25 years. Okay. So it wasn't life without the possibility of parole. It was 25 years to life with possibility of parole at the age of 20, or I'm sorry, after 25 years served. Okay. Okay. So now Jade's defense attorney at this time has changed. It's now Mark Carlos. Um, he told jurors that Thomas's death stemmed from a history of substance abuse and overall poor health. He reiterated that the official cause of death was found to be an overdose of prescription pills, and he argued that there was little to no evidence to suggest that he was strangled or suffocated. Um, he also claimed that Jade had suffered from trauma and sexual abuse at an early age and that that was not brought forward at trial. So that statement that Jade made, I know that it was a statement that was made, but I don't know that it's something that was like admissible to the jurors. You know okay. what I mean? I don't think that's something that they were able to reference throughout this, which is just a whole other layer of tragedy because that is context that as a juror, if I had to make a decision on this case, and I found out after the fact about the sexual abuse history, mm -hmm. I would have felt completely like robbed of being able to really give a sense of justice because I understand that there was like premeditation. I understand that she did it and I'm not justifying it or excusing it. However, I think when there's this level of childhood trauma associated with the actual act, I don't Absolutely. think that it's the same as treating it as like, you know, Oh, I'm going to go kill that grandma up the road because I want the money she has in assets in the home that I can take. You know what I mean? Like, it's just two different wheelhouses. And as a juror, I think I would look at the situation differently from one to another. Call it bias or don't. I don't know. But it just feels different to me. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, Carlos was really just, like, highlighting the trauma and the sexual abuse that she dealt with. And that, he, you know, the fact that that was not brought forward at trial, he thinks, like, really sealed her fate there. And he stated that, quote, she has maintained her innocence throughout this matter and will continue to do so. She panicked under this reaction to the drama that she had. And as a result, she did things that made her appear to be complicit in the death of Mr. Merriman. So at Jade's sentencing hearing, Carlos said that, he does intend to file an appeal. So that was less than two weeks ago. Of course, if an appeal takes place, just know, like, we'll we'll follow case updates. And if you guys happen to catch them before we do, which could happen, shoot us an email and we'll cover case updates if we don't catch it first. But we will try to stay up to date on cases like this. Yeah, um, a thousand percent. Yeah, but if you guys catch it first, like, don't be shy. Shoot us that email. Finally... I'm going to just go into a statement that was made by Terrence Merriam, who was another brother of Tom, in response to the hearing. He said, quote, there are no winners today. More than one family has loved ones lost to this tragedy. 
Okay. We are deeply saddened at the loss of Thomas Merriman. He was taken too soon from Earth and from us. Tom was a great father, son, brother, and friend. We want him to be remembered for his compassionate, caring, generous, kind, and selfless nature. We will do our best to remember him for his genius talent to grow and nurture living things. Which I just feel like is so ironic because we're going to talk about what a good father he was for his genius talent to be able to grow and nurture living <sighs> things. Like, okay, what about growing and nurturing his stepchild? Fucking who, hate it. I fucking yeah. hate it. I hate it. I really do too. And I think that this just goes to show why a lot of the times, unfortunately, victims of sexual abuse, whether childhood sexual abuse or sexual abuse in the family or just sexual abuse in general, they don't feel safe coming forward. And I'm percent let you guys know, like, if you ever are find yourself in a position where you are assaulted god forbid and but i know that this is such a common issue for women because everybody that i talk to like my friends my relatives my you know what i mean like everybody yeah it's like i talk to people and they're like oh yeah me too which i mean i know like me too is a whole movement but how sad how sad is that that it's like more common than not amongst my friends or amongst you know female family members to hear Oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. Like, it's just awful. If you have experienced something like that and you don't feel that you have a friend or a loved one who you can trust with the information, just without going into too much detail, I will say from personal experience that most hospitals do have a victim advocate that Mm. they can appoint to you in a situation like this. And they will not push you for information on who did what. Uh, They will not push you for any information that you do not want to share. But what they will do is advocate for you only as much as you want to be advocated for. And they will be a soft place to fall um, if you ever need one. And, like, I still remember the name of the woman who handled my case. Her name was Haley. And I can't tell you where to reach her now. But I can tell you that she was my lifeline for a few months. And I don't know where I would have been without her at that time. Like, I'm tearing up right now. But for real, if you are a victim advocate, you are seriously, like, doing the Lord's work. Like, that is, I'm sure, a very, very, very hard job to do. And more power to you if you can do it. But you're saving people's lives doing that job. So, yeah. Thank you. For all I need to know that that resource is out there. That's really, you know, important information. It is. It is. And, um, you know, if you don't know where to access that information, call your local health department. Um, mm, yeah. yeah, that would be my recommendation. Your local health department or a hospital near you should be able to. Yeah, uh, if, if you, if you don't go in and get a rape kit right away for whatever reason, you can still access these services. Yeah. Services. That being said, if you do go in and get a rape kit, that does not mean that you have to file charges. No, I personally never did. My kit just sat there until it was destroyed because that's all mm-hmm. I could handle. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. Um, I so if for whatever reason yeah. you don't want law enforcement involved, 
and we really don't want anybody to have to use this information ever, but if you don't want law enforcement involved, you still can absolutely go in, get a rape kit, and you're going to, you know, be provided with things like plan B, you know, a physical examination. They will um, give you a referral to an OBGYN to follow up within a few days to do STD panels as well, which is super yeah. important. Yeah. They will prescribe you antibiotic that you can start taking right away just to mitigate any potential health risks, hopefully. And aside from that, I just, I know that a lot of people probably know this, but if you don't, like, if if something, God forbid, happens to you, like, don't shower, don't whatever, if you can help it. Yeah. Same clothes, same everything, go in right away if you can manage yeah and that being said if you don't do those things you know that's valid yeah i didn't i i waited like eight hours or so because i was so shell-shocked you know what i yeah. mean and yeah. i still and that's valid too that yeah. does not that doesn't invalidate what happened to you but if if you can bring yourself to do it it's always a good idea to you know get yourself to a hospital as soon as as soon as you can without destroying any evidence yeah so hate um, that we have to give that talk but but it's an important one to have especially you yeah. know with this being the topic so yeah, because knowledge uh, is power and if you know knowledge is power and maybe if we as a as a population of of women or or female presenting people or people with vaginas you know if this knowledge is more widely distributed then maybe some more people will face the the punishment that they deserve yeah and maybe some more people who are victims of these types of crimes will feel that they have adequate resources to feel supported which is important um, so yeah solidarity to anyone who unfortunately has ha had to go through something of that nature we're there's no good way to segue here but we're getting a little long so we just need to roll things out thank you guys so so much for listening today toe do you kind of want to kick us off with our socials here yeah so if you guys have a episode idea that you would like to send to us or you know any any feedback good bad ugly or whatever you can email us at say psycho right now at gmail.com and we are on facebook as well at say psycho.com jesus christ at <laughs> say psycho right now colon a true crime and paranormal podcast that's that's the thing that's, that's the one, the one. And we are on Instagram at Say Psycho right now. We are also on TikTok. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, we will be active on TikTok at the time of That's this recording. Yeah, at the time of this recording, we're still trying to figure that out. But, uh, just got to get Toe out here in a couple of weeks to do some hot yeah. girl shit. That's kind of the plan. Some hot girl shit. Yeah, we do have some hot girl shit planned. But um, yeah, other than that... Uh, Thank you for sticking with us if you made it this far. And we will see you next week. Bye. Toodaloo.
I'm a fuckeroni.